We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. We had a wild night of basketball in the NBA last night and a ton of news to dive into. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane, joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA. Keith, I need to start off with this simple yet important question. Why does Joel Embiid hate Darius Garland? <laughs> yeah, right. It feels that way. He uh, <laughs> had to upstage him just a, what an hour or so later in, uh, in terms of real time, I think it was. But yeah, well, what a night. It was a uh, you know, it kind of looked like it was one of those nights where it's like, ah, none of these games are super great, but you know, I'm, I want to watch anyone. It turned into a great night of individual performances. So that, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Darius Garland had the season high in points. I believe it was 51 yep. for like an hour. And then Joel <laughs> yeah. Embiid said, no, I'm going to go ahead and drop. What was it? 59 on 59, the night. Yeah. My goodness. I mean, that's, that's just ridiculous. And in fact, it was, you know, around the NBA, we saw, centers in general just go go crazy anthony davis at 37 and 18 he had 14 assists for nikola Jokic. he said no problem we've got this bulls team so i'm just gonna pass to everybody and, and rack up the assists but i mean joel Embiid, holy moly now a lot of it was done at the free throw line 20 of 24 from the free throw line but still 59 points 11 yeah. rebounds eight assists and seven blocks like that I, that's unreal especially yeah. he had no one's ever done points. it before yeah okay so nobody's ever had that stat no line one's before. ever had that no one's ever had had um uh i believe it was i i don't know if it's specifically 11 rebounds but i think it was 50 10 uh eight assists and seven blocks in the same game it's the first time it's ever been done uh, in nba history a lot of people are well you know we went 20 for 24 from the free throw line okay take those away take all of them away okay so 39 11 8 and seven blocks that's still an unreal <laughs> game and um, even if he took those away, what's even more impressive is like, it's not like he just got hot from behind the arc and you, nope. you know, cause sometimes a guy will just get hot from behind the yeah. three point line and they're like, you know, seven for nine from three or something. And then that suddenly you've got those points added up and that starts to matter. No, he only hit one three on the night. Yeah. I mean, that's that uh, uh, absolutely absurd. This yep. stat line for him now is against the Utah jazz who don't have a whole lot of interior presence there, but he, I mean, the 76ers only put up 105 points. He had more than half of his team's <laughs> points. Yep. That, that's unbelievable. Yeah, he was hitting everything. He was hitting short mid-rangers. He was in turnarounds and fallaways. He was getting downhill and going to the basket. He had a bunch of 
off balance, like runners when he'd get fouled. Um, I watched the entirety of this game, the 24 free throw attempts. Yeah. He flopped his way into probably about six uh, free throws, Mm -hmm. but that's still 18 very legitimate ones. The jazz, as you said, they they were just overpowered. They they didn't have anything that they could do. This was in a different way, but it was kind of like watching prime Shaq. One was like, all right, we have nothing else we can do, but to follow Right. And that's like your, your only hope he scored. I don't know if you've seen this. He scored 26 of the 76ers, 27 fourth quarter points. All but one point in the fourth <laughs> quarter was in beat. And they threw every imaginable defensive look at him until it was like, they kind of, I think maybe Will Hardy, his Celtics experience played in a little bit with like, all right, let's just hope now we're going to defend him one-on-one and hope he's too tired to continue to make shots. <laughs> right. because, but he wasn't. He just kept knocking him down in play after play. Five of his seven blocks came in the fourth quarter. And this was a close game. They needed all of it. Every one of the points, they needed all those blocks. The Jazz were right there with them all the way to the end. I mean, this it was, was tied heading into the fourth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was tied with about two or two and a half minutes or so to go in the game. I mean, they needed all of his effort on both ends of the floor. This was watching it live. One of the most dominating two way performances I can ever remember watching um, in my life. That's how good he was. He was just, I mean, obviously unstoppable offensively, but the five blocks in the fourth quarter, multiple where he did clean up for teammates. And it was like Colin Sexton on one of them. Uh, they, the Sixers blew a pick and roll coverage. Sexton split the defense, went right down to the rim, and then B just came all the way from the other side, where I think it was Kelly Olynyk had him like spaced out to the corner, and then B just left Olynyk and just stuffed it right off the glass, completely pinned it. I mean, it, it was. I, I don't want to go too crazy, but this was one of the best games I've ever seen anybody play. And I, I mean, and I'm going all the way back to I watched MJ drop 63 yeah. on the Celtics in the playoffs live. I think this is this blows my mind nearly as much as, as all these other stats. I mean, this is all incredible. But so Joel Embiid made 19 shots on yep. the night. His team in total made 40. <laughs> yep. So 21 shots were made by not Joel Embiid, and he got eight assists. How yep. is that possible? How do yeah. you get eight? How do you get and not only do you score 59 points, but you have an assist on nearly half of your team's made baskets, made baskets yep. like that. A huge scoring game is crazy. A big rebounding game is crazy. A big shot blocking game. But to add that in, that you got an assist on that on eight out of twenty one made baskets, you got an assist on like that would be absurd for even the top level point guards in the NBA. No, absolutely. And I'll give you two more. He had five turnovers, none in the second half. He didn't have a single turnover in the second half. And the the last one uh, is two. I was hoping that this would go to overtime just because I was like, I want to see if he can get a quadruple double. Cause I, I think he would have come pretty close. I mean, he was, he was a few blocks away and he only needed two more assists, but it was funny by the end, Tyrese Maxey even said post game. Yeah. Doc was calling for pick and rolls. And I was like, why let's just give it to Embiid. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it was, it it really was, it was a special, special night. Uh, Anthony Davis, Dropped 37 and 18. How hum compared to what, what Joel Embiid did. And then, and then poor Darius Garland, 51 points, 10 of 15 for three. 
and everybody's just going to be talking about Joel Embiid. I mean, he had a phenomenal performance. Unfortunately, it came in, in a loss to the Wolves. The Cavs. They came in his comeback, though. They 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 were yeah. down, and um, you know, they they almost came back and got it. But I mean, that's that is that's an incredible performance in and of itself. What we saw Darius Garland do. They had twenty seven in the fourth quarter. Unbelievable, Un- yeah. unbelievable, just in crazy performances last night around the NBA. You know, Keith, there's. There's games where you see guys and you're like, ah, okay, it's a Wednesday in January, clearly. You know, the, mm-hmm. some guys are, you know, and then other nights you just see and you go, these these are the best athletes on the planet. You know, I mean, yeah. there, there's times where you're just, even even covering this league, you know, we can get jaded and all that, where you just watch them and you just, you just marvel of what these guys are able to, to do. Yeah. I So not to turn this into, you know, uh, Lakers Nation too, but I did watch the end of that one when it had ended after uh, the the Jazz Sixers. I thought AD did so great on the offensive glass. Yeah, I, I, I don't have it. Ten right offensive in front of me. boards. How many was it? Ten offensive Ten, boards. Yeah. Uh, more than the Nets team had. Yeah, and that's I and and I know I there it is. I finally get the box score to pull up. Yeah, they made pretty good shooting night for the Lakers. They shot forty eight percent. And he, you know, of those 47 misses, he grabbed 10 of them, like, you know, a fifth. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, kind of crazy for one guy. And he's not like a big time offensive rebounder. He's not either. Like he, he's not somebody that's like, you know, like, like Andre Drummond, Ennis Cantor, a couple of those guys like that. You could kind of be like, oh, okay. I kind of get it right with that. But yeah, I mean, just, you know, great game for him. And, and honestly a game where they, they needed it, right. They, they needed to get a win. You, you, you needed to, you know, beat a team that's, you know, we'll call the Nets a good team, right. I don't think they're, they're, you know, great by any means, but, but a good team, but, but good, you know, so, what's that? And they're wounded. I mean, no Kyrie yeah, yeah, Irving, yeah. no uh, sure. no Ben Simmons. You know, they're missing. And then Nick Claxton got hurt, yeah. um, had a, an eye contusion, so he he was ruled out part of the way through yeah. the game. So the the Nets really didn't have anybody with any size to throw at Anthony Davis, and no. he, you know, to his credit, he took advantage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was kind of an old school AD game. That's yeah. that's the kind of game where right there there was all this stuff about should they trade him out there last week and this is kind of the one where you're like this is why you kind of can't right like like you know now you can't expect 37 and 18 every single night but you know it's it's you know the games like this you 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 just hope you're getting them more than like once a month you know maybe once every couple weeks you you get a game like this out of them keith i'm so torn because i don't know if you saw this in the post game but um Anthony Davis said that he was inspired by the Green Bay Packers performance. He's a big Green Bay Packers fan. Um, he was inspired right. by the Packers. How is he not a Bears fan? I don't know, but he, but he huh. anyway. He somehow he was inspired by the Packers performance. Okay. Um, my wife is a is a Cowboys fan, and so she does not like the Packers at all. <laughs> it was a bad time in the Lane household last night. We were definitely upset with the the officiating and everything in, in that game. There's you know it was it was not good. And then we get this performance out of Anthony Davis, and I'm thinking, do I have to root for Packers success <laughs> now, in order to get, in order to have more enjoyable Lakers games? And 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 if so, what effect is that going to have on my marriage? 
These there are the thoughts go. I'm having now, Keith. That's the important one is that last part there. Right? <laughs> you got to make sure that, that that part stays healthy overall. But that's funny. Now, now I get a I, I'm legitimately flummoxed that he's a Packers fan. I, I get is. it. I get Green Bay is very close. And you know, but he, you know, I've always thought of Anthony Davis as a Chicago kid. But oh, when he when he posts to like his Instagram story and stuff, it's like nine times out of ten, it's about the Packers. It's like KD in uh, Washington, right? The the Commanders. He's he's a big, uh, uh, but he's from. That's where he's from. He's from right. that area, so that makes yeah. a little bit more sense. But he's a, I don't know. Crazy. Commanders fan. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the Golden State Warriors and what's what's going on. Here. So the Warriors fall to the Kings. The Kings have been playing better basketball lately. They're now five hundred, but this drops the Warriors uh to five and eight on the season they have not won a road game yet they are zero and seven on the road we've talked we've kind of been every once in a while once a week or so hey are we worried yet about the warriors what are we thinking here is this i mean is this time to be worried like you got 27 out of out of steph curry you got 26 out of andrew wiggins clay thompson had 17 it wasn't like a crazy efficient night for the war 47 from the field 34 percent from three but not terrible either 18 from jordan pool and that's not enough to beat the sacramento kings what is this just the kings are a little bit better is this we should start to worry about the warriors what's the kind of heat check on on this situation right now yeah i'm not as worried about the losing to the kings part because because i think it's for them it's kind of what you said is that the kings are playing playing better for sure but with a what it would has been a very favorable schedule despite the fact that they did already have an east coast trip the warriors just they, they're just not getting it done like like against teams that normally not only would they have beaten these teams but they would have destroyed these yep. teams so they lost in a row on the on that east coast swing hornets pistons heat magic pelicans now, Hornets, Pistons, and Magic, those are bad teams, yeah. right? Heat, they're scuffling along right now, right? They're, they're not playing so hot themselves. And then the Pelicans aren't playing so good either. So that's losses to – actually, matter of fact, when they played all those teams, interestingly enough, all those teams, that ended up being their third win um, <laughs> when they, they, they lost to those teams. So that's just kind of interesting. But, yeah, I mean, that's just not a good – spot to 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 be in I, oh i guess it never mind i'm reading that backwards sorry that was the warriors third the warriors are stuck on three wins oh, okay. but at, at any rate those teams are bad teams hornets pistons magic he not playing so great now right now pelicans not playing so great either and then yeah and then you come back they win a couple home games against the kings a game that maybe they shouldn't have won because they benefited from a, a non-call at the end of the game and then yeah they're playing at the fastest pace in the league. Offense is middle of the pack. Defense has been awful. Um, and that's, I think, that's the shocking part, right, is how bad the defense has been. And yet, for me, I'm still not super worried yet, I guess, because I guess I just have that kind of faith in them to figure it out. But they're now three and a half games out of home court advantage. So, obviously, you know, plenty of time they can make that up but i, I don't know it's uh it's something feels off with yeah. them my my suspicions is it's the bench the i mean not suspicions i mean you can just look at the their starting five numbers are great they're they're any remove any one member of the starting five things start to come down and then you remove multiple and it's just brutal um, yeah. what the, those numbers look like 
things really start to fall apart quickly for them. And that's that's been a challenge. It's been a struggle. Uh, 18 turnovers against the Kings. That It's hard to win a basketball game when you turn the ball over that much. But still, um, just something for us to continue to keep an eye on. This Warriors yeah. team, you would expect better from them. And, and you want to keep saying, well, you know what? They'll turn it on when they need to and, and that sort of thing. They're the, the defending champs. But the longer this goes, the more we have to wonder, is this more than just, hey, they're not they're just not locked in. They're not engaged because this mm-hmm. is the beginning of the season and this is a team that cares about the playoffs. I, I don't know. And that's something for us to keep an eye on here. Um, oh, yeah. Oddly enough, too, like just I'm, I'm, I just pulled it up on basketball reference. Mm-hmm. They're in their losses. They shoot way worse from three. Uh, they're 33% uh, in their losses, 39% in their wins. That's not all that uncommon. A couple more turnovers per game. Uh, in the losses versus the wins, um, it really is. It it really, as so often it does, comes down to do they defend or not, mm-hmm. right? If if you defend, you're you're going to be okay. They're allowing 111.6 points per game in their wins, 124 per per game in their losses. So, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, that's not not good. You got to get no, that figured out. Definitely not. All right, let's talk about the trade front a little bit here. We've got a few stories involving trades, typically December 15th, kind of when the trade season really yep. starts up uh, around, uh, around the NBA. So let's kick things off with uh, with my Lakers on the trade front, maybe still interested in Boyan Bogdanovich. Now with the Pistons, got traded there for Kelly Olenek, who we already talked about little bit earlier in reference to what Joel Embiid did, but the you've got Boyan Bogdanovich with the Detroit Pistons, signs a new deal, and the Lakers may not be totally done on trying to trade for him. So I guess, first of all, why is Boyan Bogdanovich still trade eligible despite the fact that he just signed a contract extension? Yeah, so how it works with extensions is, is if you extend um, for the beyond what can be offered in an extended trade, which is a 5% raise um, off the, the current salary with, with 5% raises off of that um, and three years, um, then you are, you're not trade eligible for six months. So, so because the, the extension was be, was less than the extended trade, um, they are able to um, trade him now. So that's like, like, let's flip it to LeBron, for example. Yeah. He did his extension because his extension, not in length, but in terms of 
raises is more than what could have been offered in an extended trade, he is not trade eligible for six months, which obviously takes us past the trade deadline based on when he signed that extension. In Bogdanovich's case, exactly. Yeah. Bogdanovich's case, he is under uh, the extended trade amount, so he can still be traded. No, no restrictions. It could could be traded today. Uh, it could have been traded the day after he signed uh, that extension, actually. But yeah, no, no restrictions at all on on trading for him. And I think people have seen like it was a you know thirty nine million dollar extension over two years, so you know almost twenty million dollars per season. Um, but it's really only kind of like a one year twenty two million dollar extension because it's fully guaranteed for twenty million next season. But the season after that is it's nineteen million. It goes down on but my it's nineteen million and change it goes down almost a million. But only two million of that is guaranteed. So so it's kind of more like a one year twenty two million dollar extension than it is the full two years. But if he keeps playing the way he is, you're happy to pay him twenty and then nineteen million because he's been playing great. Yeah, he's been been playing very well. I'm not as surprised. There's, it's not just going to be the Lakers that are interested in him. There'll be other teams around the NBA interested. Um, the Pistons may just decide to keep him, depending on what you know what they're looking to do here. But if they feel like there's good value that they can have on the on the trade market, maybe it's something they look at doing. Uh, how did the Lakers get there in, in, in a trade? Is this is this a must be Russell Westbrook situation? Can you stack up a Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn? What's what's the path for the Lakers? What does their offer look like? Yeah, because because he's not one. I mean, Russ, obviously, right? You could get Russ and some stuff. I was teasing you a little bit this morning because somebody, uh, obviously, a Lakers fan, dropped in uh, in your mentions on Twitter a trade that he thought was very fair, but is uh, you know, it's Sadiq Bay was a throw-in in this trade. We, just we, we never propose unfair <laughs> trades. No fan base ever does yeah, that. Yeah. You know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like when uh, Celtics fans were like, "Hey, can we get this guy for the Hayward?" Uh, disabled player exception he fits inside it. and i was like that dude was drafted second like two years ago like <laughs> no you can't get him just because he fits inside there um but anyway russ is obviously right that's where your first thought goes to and that could return a bunch of depth for the lakers too because there's a pretty big imbalance between russ and bogdanovich about 28 million or so in salary um but because bogdanovich is making under 20 million your other like, you know, idea of like, hey, if we put Beverly in none or, you know, Beverly in a few of the minimum salary guys or whatever, yeah, you can get there that way too. So that's that's another way. So now that becomes of, all right, do we feel good about where we're at with our guard depth so we can part with a couple of these guys to get, to get a wing? But I think it, the bigger thing for the Lakers with this would be, do we want the 20 million next year, which completely takes you out of the cap space right. derby, unless you make other moves, but that's it. We'd be out. You'd be out of it and you'd be, you know, a mid-level exception team, but you know, just let, let me, without looking, let me throw it at you. What do you think Bogdanovich's like shooting splits are right now? If you had to guess. Oh, they're, they're up there. I know he's, uh, I I'm guessing he's somewhere in the 50, 40 range. 50.5 um, from the field. 43 from three and 92% from the line. And the 92% from the lines on four and a half attempts per game. So it's not like he's shooting like two free throws a night. He's getting there either. Also at age 34, 33, he'll be 34 next year. Um, He is at 20.3 points per game. That would be a career high for Boyan Bogdanovich. And that's actually the problem for me. From the from the Lakers' perspective, okay. it's not it, not the points; it's the age. Um, sure. If you're going to give up, 
if you're going to give up, assuming, you know, the Pistons, they're going to want first round draft capital and all that. And of course, we know all know what draft picks you're talking about with the Lakers. Mm -hmm. If that's going to be the price, then that's like you're getting a guy who you're not going to be able to turn into future assets down the road, most likely. Right. You're not going to like They're not real great ones. Right. I mean, two like two or three years from now, let's say LeBron sails off to the sunset two years from now, whatever. And Anthony Davis, when you decide what you're going to do there, Bogdanovich, even if you keep him past this contract, what he's 35, 36, are you going to be able to start a rebuild by saying, hey, we're going to put him on the market and see if we can recoup some of the draft capital that we lost? That's pretty yeah. unlikely. And so that's that's the yeah. challenge for me if I'm the Lakers and I'm looking at this trade. Great fit, great player, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to use him for anything more than just the next couple of seasons. And if I'm giving up picks in 2027, 2029, that's where I've got some real concerns. No, you need to be able to trade similarly to what the uh, Pistons gave up to get him, yes. which is like a veteran player. And then maybe, you know, we'll toss in, you know, I don't know, one of the kids-ish guys, right? If it was like, you know, if the difference was like, hey, we'll do Beverly and Non, but we got to have Max Christie too. Sure. All right, sure. You know, then do it. I think what's interesting, right? One of the other teams mentioned for him is the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. For the Suns, it makes a lot more sense to me to maybe throw a first round pick at Detroit, if, especially if Bogdanovich keeps playing at this level, because the Suns, that could be the difference between we got back to the finals or not. I don't think he alone lifts the Lakers that high. So I'm with you. Under no circumstances would I give up a first round pick uh, for if I was the Lakers for Bogdanovich, even though I, I love him and I think he's great. I've been yeah. a huge fan of his for years now. And I've, I've probably spent – he's starting to rival Danilo Gallinari from back in the day for like a good team should trade for this guy. Yeah. King of that for me is Harrison Barnes has been the king of, of that list forever. But it's – um, but, yeah, I, I really think it's, um, you know, it's just for the Lakers just where they're at right now. Yeah, if they were much better – all right. You know, if you really thought this was going to be the difference, sure. You know, go, go and get them. But yeah, you know, let's see. But yeah, I was, I knew he was playing well. I didn't know he was playing quite that well. Which he's is, been, you know, he's been very good and he'll have a chance to show out against the Lakers on, on Friday. They play the Pistons. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Detroit, if they decide to go down this path, if they're able to get something solid, I, I think they probably can get a first for him at this point, which is imp impressive because I think they're going to get, get more for him than what they gave up. For him, oh, if they choose to oh, trade him sure. at all. For sure. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely think that that they will, and they should, because everybody, in general, people saw him as a, a bargain at the price yeah. the Pistons paid to get him. But the question is, how much can they then flip him for? And if it's not a first, are they then willing to do it or not? Anyway, it, it's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch. If the Lakers can find something that's you know not too prohibitive in terms of, of cost, if it's seconds, if it's a, a Max Christie or something like that, mm -hmm. maybe they'll look at doing it. I just don't know if I would go. I, I wouldn't do a first. So no, interested no, there. Not for the Lakers. No, you you do a first if you're a team where Bogdanovich puts us over the top. Sure. To be to be a title contender. Just to close the book on this too, in case people are like, you you're talking about he's playing well. He's on this good contract. He gave up nothing for him. Why would the Pistons trade him? Well, they're three and eleven. They stink. And like, the idea was hopefully he can help us take that next step. And I think this is probably projecting a little bit forward of, yeah, Detroit's probably another year towards the bottom. So at that point, you start looking at him being like, by the time they're really ready to win, is he really still going to be a big part 
of it. So you start to look towards our, what can we get that maybe fits the timeline a little bit better. All right, let's jump over to the aforementioned Phoenix Suns, uh, who are still re-engaged on Jay Crowder trade talk. Is this is there maybe a three-team trade out there that could work with Bogdanovich and Jay Crowder going to it? Because I, I don't see Jay Crowder as you know the the Detroit Pistons as a landing spot for him. Sure. But maybe you can work something out if there is that that interest there. You know, there's going to be some interest in Crowder around the NBA, um, and, and the Suns I think could use the help, particularly with what's going on with with Cam Johnson and his injury. Yeah, the team that keeps like popping in my head for Crowder, where I think it would make a ton of sense, would be the Milwaukee Bucks, mm-hmm. and maybe there could be something there. We, it's interesting. I know it's. I don't want to step on on the show here because I know it's. I think our next one is Grayson Allen in the Bucks, but I think um, could you do something where you know built around Crowder to the Bucks, Allen to the Pistons, Bogdanovich to the Suns? That could be kind of interesting. I, yeah. Kind of like that idea. Give them, you know, because the idea behind Bogdanovich was another guy can shoot, create a little bit of offense for you. Allen's a different look at that because he's a little bit smaller, but they don't have a ton of guard firepower coming off their bench right now. Um, Just shouts to Jaden Ivey, having seen him twice for entire games against the Celtics in the last uh, week. He is really, really playing well and looks really, really good. So, yeah, I mean, that gives you a really kind of fun three-guard look between uh, Cade Cunningham, Grayson Allen, and uh, Jaden Ivey potentially there. So maybe there could be something there. That, that that one popped right into my head immediately because we know the Bucks have been a team that's been kind of in on Crowder. And Grayson Allen direct to the Suns probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Right, right. All right, let, let's talk a little bit about that too. Why why are the Bucks looking to move on from Grayson Allen at this point? Yeah, I think for them it's just they've got other guys who play at that spot. Um, you know, can, can really kind of play that guard spot. They'll get Pat Connaughton back. Eventually, Chris Middleton is working his way back now. Uh, you signed Jordan Awar to a two-way deal. So that kind of, you know, two smaller three kind of look um, there. Um, they also really like the rookie they drafted, Marjan Bochamp, um, who he's been starting games when they kind of sit everybody and don't play any of the regulars. He starts and he, he's, he's got a long way to go. He's got a lot to figure out, but he's, you know, he's a young kid. So of course he does. So I think that's where the Bucks are looking at. And they're probably saying, Hey, Allen's $8 million is, is probably our most reasonable, uh, matching piece of salary in a trade so that's probably why they're they're just uh feeling out the market for you know well, what could it be for him and a lot of this is very preliminary again most see the nba trade season really kicking off december 15th so yep. we do have some time that doesn't mean they couldn't make a trade here teams sure. can still do deals right now but this could just be kind of the preliminary stuff getting a sense of hey where's everybody at just checking in and then teams will start to deal with some more concrete things in the next month or so Exactly. That's that's a lot of what happens right now. Now it's, hey, let's set the groundwork and see. Because what you don't want to do, you know, is you know you're calling up a team. You know, hey, you interested in Grayson Allen? They're like, no, we we've got a million guards already. We we don't need another one. So you want to be able to focus in on. All right, hey, we know this team's kind of interested. You know, let's let's see where 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 we go and let's see if we can find a match. This is also kind of to to loop back into the Crowder piece. Um, this is where like those three team trades can start to develop because you start talking it now and it's like, and we can't deliver you the value you need. So who could be a partner? We could rope in here to get you the value you need for this. And, and that's where that could come together. And but to uh, close 
the the loop on the Crowder stuff is why the Suns are reengaging is because Cam Johnson's out and he's going to be yep. out for a while. We talked about that already, and we we threw out there like, could you maybe try to bring Jay Crowder back into the fold? And it's clear that's not happening. So it's all right. Let's see what we can get get in the trade uh, for Crowder to really kind of fill those Cam Johnson minutes. Right, right, which makes sense for them. If they're going to move Crowder anyway, and now you've got a need, might as well try to speed up that process and see if you yep. can get that done. I kind of like that, though, man. I think we might have, you know, on the fly. you know, Call it in. Yeah, right. I'm gonna, yeah. I'll am gonna, i reach out to, to some folks, and we'll get that done. We'll see that could we happen that right now. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't hey, we'll, we'll call up yeah. James Jones, and, uh, and, and we'll get this thing going. Yep. Um, let's finish off the show with, unfortunately, <laughs> some, some injuries here. Everybody time we record i know uh, we just got to f- finish on such a negative maybe i should just start with <laughs> we'll that. start that way yeah i don't but then i'm just down because we start with all the negativity i don't know what the best way to do this is but let's let's get into it uh cody martin out four weeks uh knee surgery how close are we to the hornets saying let's pack it in and uh start dreaming of uh Wembenyama? Yeah, owners of the longest losing streak in the league at eight games. They're three and eleven. Uh, they did just get Lamella Ball back. Terry Rozier returned re- recently as well. So you know, I do think they're in a spot where, yeah, let's see. You know, maybe the Hornets can uh, you know get some stuff um, you know moving in in the right direction ish. But I mean, Martin's out for four weeks. Gordon Hayward, who knows what's going on there? We don't even know a uh, timeline on him. So yeah, it's it's just a mess for Charlotte. I think it's getting close to time where you start thinking about well, you know, Lamelo throwing lobs to Wembenyama like that. That's that's fun. Well, let's mm-hmm. uh, let's at least start to dream a little bit, maybe. So yeah, I wouldn't be be too surprised if we're a month from now talking about how uh, you know. Lamelo's not playing back to backs or something like that. This is just my kind of prediction here. The Hornets wind up with the number two pick, and then we get into all these Scoot Henderson oh, with man. Lamelo. How does yeah, that work? That all those hurt. discussions. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Did you see the Scoot Henderson thing about how he didn't shake hands with no. uh, Wembenyama? Yeah, Mark Spears had it. They did like a sounds almost like it was like a boxing. Uh, style like press conference <laughs> like a face-off yeah like that with the two of them before they played right. those those exhibition games and uh they exchanged jerseys and then scoot henderson basically just left and he's like i'm not gonna shake hands with him because i wanted to go out there and kill him the next night which personally i love yeah like give me that all day long now give me give me know, the magic and, bur- and bird vibes coming yeah. into the season let's do yeah. that when it's when it now when it's done and over with Shake hands, you know, wish the guy well and move sure. on. And I don't know what happened there, but yeah, before a game, guys don't need to be hugging and you know, all that stuff. Like, you know, again, it's show respect, but like, you know, yeah, I, I don't mind when a kid's got out there, he's got a little bit of like, nah, man, I'm down, I'm here to beat you. I'm here like, to win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't bother right. me. That's right. Old school. Let's go. Yeah. Stop being friends with everybody. Come I on. I like that prediction though, because you that's absolutely what would happen. Yeah. Like, can you draft you you got to trade out of that pick right, right? it would be the conversation yeah for sure yeah we would we would have endless conversations about about mm-hmm. that and what would happen there um Cade Cunningham out for a week left sh- uh shin soreness and that's hey, obviously not something you want to mess around with if you're if you're the Pistons not worth him going out there and aggravating anything but you said this team's not winning right now and uh and this is a big blow for them now they're now he's out for this road trip for them coming up um, which includes a, a game against my Lakers. That's it's not good uh, yeah. for these Pistons, and maybe pushes them more towards a Bogdanovich trade if they keep losing, because they can just say, you know what, we can get value for him. He's we're not winning games right now anyway. 
let's you know let's not accidentally win a game or two let's just kind of adjust on the fly and see if we can get value here and then you know get a nice high draft pick yeah they they were recording this on monday they've got a home game against toronto then a pretty long and difficult west coast trip clippers lakers kings nuggets jazz and suns so you know it's there's not a whole lot of winnable games on that trip for for the pistons um they'll my guess is they'll win one of them at least, right? But um, but that takes you all the way through through Thanksgiving. Wouldn't be a total surprise to see him miss the entirety of that trip. Um, just to to play it safe and be really, you know, sure. Um, but we'll see. As of right now, he's he's set to miss the Clippers and Lakers games at the beginning of the trip, and we'll see if he returns on Midwest Coast swing. So I, you know, I don't know if this is you know a factor for the Pistons or not. But in general, this is the type of situation that we've talked about tanking teams taking advantage of this season in terms of everybody's trying to lose games for Wembenyama and these are the teams that might be doing this kind of stuff. Um, this is a situation where if a team has decided, let's try to increase our draft lottery odds as much as we can, this is where teams can kind of prolong how long a player is out. Say, hey, mm-hmm. we just really want to make sure you're 100%. Why don't you take an extra couple of games off? Yeah. We, and we don't want to risk it. That They'll be more cautious with situations like this. Again, don't want to say that's for sure what the Pistons are doing here. I think it's it's too early to say that. But this is the type of situation to keep an eye on throughout the season with the teams near the bottom where they might opt to hold players out for an extra game or so. Yeah, this is the example of when I say organizations tank, players yeah. and coaches don't. Because if Cade Cunningham's out there playing, he's playing to win the game. And Dwayne Casey is going to be coaching to win that game. That's why when, you know, you'll see something like, oh man, what a bad turnover for Cade Cunningham late in the game. And then you get a bunch of people reply to you with the tank gifts. And it's like, that's not, he didn't throw the ball in the third row because he's thinking about getting Victor Wembanyama. Like he just made a bad play. But when, yeah, when it's like, Ah, uh, there's some shin soreness. We're already away from home on the West Coast. Yeah, let's just sit out a few extra games. Those are the kind of situations where you start to say, you know, let's tank. And then the other obvious one is, which Detroit could happen with them again, right? Could be, ah, uh, let's move Bogdanovich. Let's move, yep. you know, a couple of either these other veteran guys who aren't going to be a part of our next good team. That that's obviously the other way you set up to tank for sure. So, in fact, that that leads me to another thought. Could the Pistons moving Bogdanovich be the first shot in a in a tank war? Could be. Like we could see other teams start to go, oh, we need to offload talent too because we need to try to keep pace. Like we could, like as much as we see teams at the top, you know, loading up, oh, this team made a trade. So now we've got to go make a move and do something and, you know, and try to counter that. We may see a similar effect, but at the bottom with teams trying to move talent off of their roster so they can lose more games this season. Yeah, it's it's a yeah, it could be it could be, and if like right, the Jazz they they've hit their first bump in the road now. They they've lost a couple in a row. They're they're ten and five after the hot start. Um, you know they they let's say they they start to level out and play like five hundred or just below. Um, you know over the next month that could be starting to see a team like that start to say you know go now they might already put too much distance. I, I think they're, they might they're, have. yeah they're already like seven games out of the the top spot in that range but i mean that's nothing that you you know trade everybody and then sit anybody good for you know a span of three or four weeks couldn't make up 
you know, with this much time left. But yeah, it's I, I don't. And I'll be, let me be very clear. I don't think that's what Utah's going to do. I think Utah right now is content to say, "Hey, Minnesota, let's see if you can kind of do this for us," because uh, you're dysfunctional and a mess. Did you see Danny Ainge was like acting like almost offended that anyone would suggest that he built a team to lose yeah. and, and all this stuff? I'm like. Really? Come on. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know what, I know what, you can't say, oh, yeah, what, this team was put together. Because what my sister's not saying to the sure. team, but, but come on. Well, what he should get offended by is people should be like, you don't you don't understand how to do this the correct way. <laughs> <laughs> you you build these teams that are just a little too good. Right. Like that Celtics team that one year Well, then they were finally like, fine, we'll trade for Isaiah Thomas because, you know, basically he's being given away and like we have a chance to actually make the playoffs and the Nets are rapidly falling apart. So we'll let them tank for us. But yeah, it's funny. He I I honestly do think, too, I I think if Danny Ainge ever did like fully bottom it out, it would be one of the shortest full on tank jobs ever because he's he's way too competitive. He would get so angry like at the losing every night stuff yeah. where like, you'd be like, Nope, I got to turn this around and get right back in it. But yeah, I mean, the only time they did it, they even remotely correct way they got aided because Paul Pierce broke his foot and he was by far and away the best player on the team. And then that year they got punished and pushed all the way back to fifth in the draft and ended up with a, uh, trading the pick ultimately for Ray Allen, which then led to the KG trade and everything was fine. But it was uh yeah, that's, that's the only couple times they've really intentionally like full on said like, all right, we're going to bottom it out. But yeah, yeah. That's what he should get up, upset with. Hey, let's end on a high note though. Yeah. Um, well, I've got one more low oh, note. All right. Hey, hit the one more low note. And then we'll so the low note, Omer, you're, you're at seven. Oh yeah. Uh, out three months with ankle surgery. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got Dwayne Dedman there. Like, what? How big of a deal is this for for Miami and their rotation? Right, right now, the way things have gone, I don't think it's a huge deal because he's been out since the first preseason game. But, but their plan was he was going to play, and there was a thought he may start. Because remember, we've talked about it a lot with the Heat. They don't have a four on their roster. I think their plan was to play big and play Bam Adebayo at the four and start your seven next to him. I think that was going to be the way they were going to go. Um, I talked to a lot of people around the league. I talked to a few people with the Heat. Who, who, you know, it's, you, you have those conversations in the preseason and nobody wants to give anything yeah. away, but they're like, yeah, you might see some of that, which to me was like, okay, you're definitely at least considering it. So I think it's, um, it, it's, it's a big deal in the sense of there, we may not see this team the way they envision um, it to be. And Yurt Seven was playing pretty good at the end of last year. Looked like a legitimate guy who could play in the NBA as a, you know, at least as a high end backup center. Miami, just as, as good as anybody, if not better, does a great job developing those guys at the end of the roster. This injury, though, did an actual transaction uh, sequence. Um, which we haven't had much of right since the off season, but it was, uh, they released Drew Smith, who is a guard who was on a two way with the team. And they signed Orlando Robinson, who's a center um, to a two way contract. So he'll come in, replace Smith to give them that little bit of exercise on the roster up front. Cause it was really kind of dead men. And then they've actually played or uh, Udonis Haslam real minutes in a couple games because they haven't, they, they haven't had that size. Deadman was out. So it was like, all right, we can't just play BAM 48 minutes. we got to get somebody else on the floor. Now they'll have Orlando Robinson that, that they can throw in. I know a lot of people are kind of like, eh, it's two-way guys who really cares. I would not be surprised if, you know, four months, five months from now, we're talking about, it was actually kind of good. Maybe somebody to yeah. keep an eye on Orlando Robinson because that's just what Miami does. 
Right. Yeah, absolutely. They, they find they find players. They unearth talent. They've been really good at that. Um, they've got some examples of that on the roster right now with guys like Max Struess and even you know Duncan Robinson. Uh, as much as people may loathe his contract now, they've they've managed to find players, which is uh, a credit to them. Um, all right, hit your high note. What do you all have for right. us? So two two things. Both both I think kind of fun. One is we saw Dwight Howard signed in Taiwan. Carmelo Anthony maybe um, another team in Taiwan has their their ownership is pushing to bring Carmelo Anthony in. Uh, to play play for them, it's uh, they, oddly enough, it's a newer league in Taiwan. It's early in their second year of play, and it's the two teams that finished in uh, last and next to last place uh, last year. They they one signed Dwight Howard, and the other one wants to sign Carmelo Anthony. So uh, they said uh, they the report out of Taiwan was ownership has greenlit uh, pursuit of Carmelo Anthony. So. We'll see if that's something he even wants to do. He may want to say, yeah, I'll go over there and play a few games and make probably would be pretty good money to, you know, get get my work in, right? If nothing else, yeah. it's probably slightly better than, you know, uh, his average pickup run right now. But and we talked about those contracts will likely have opt-outs to where if an absolutely. NBA team comes calling, yeah. they can they can go. Yeah. Um, but the fun note with Carmelo Anthony, his son, um, I think it's Kion, I think is how you say it. Uh, his son received a scholarship offer from Syracuse. Oh, nice! Is, yeah, that's you know just kind of kind of a fun story there to to close us out. You know, Full circle. His dad's alma mater. We led to the national title. I have uh That's one of those that them winning that national title is one of those weird things where I know exactly where I was and who I was with because I was with a Syracuse alum, recent graduate of Syracuse, and he was absolutely losing his mind during that game, and then he was in tears at the end when they won. So I uh, very much remember uh, remember that game. Little extra meaning when it's when it's your team like that for sure for sure. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for today. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening to the show. If you're over on the YouTube channel, make sure you do subscribe. And, of course, over on Apple Podcasts, give us that five-star rating and review. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.